listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can do so over on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 137, and we are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 1, Paragraphs 381 to 387. 381. All that passed in the heart of St. Joseph was known to the Princess of Heaven, who penetrated into its interior by the light of her divine science. Although her soul was full of tenderness and compassion for the sufferings of her spouse, she said not a word in the matter, but she continued to serve him with all devotion and solicitude. The man of God watched her with outward demonstration, yet with a greater anxiety than that of any man that ever lived. The pregnancy of Most Holy Mary was not burdensome or painful to her. But as the great lady, in serving him at the table or any other domestic occupations, necessarily disclosed her state more and more openly, St. Joseph noticed all these actions and movements, and with deep affliction of soul verified all his observations. Notwithstanding his being a just man, he permitted himself to be respected and served by the Most Holy Virgin after their espousal, claiming in all things the position of head and husband of the family, though with rare humility and prudence. As long as he was ignorant of the mystery of his spouse, he judged it right, within befitting limits, to show his authority in imitation of the ancient fathers and patriarchs for he knew that they demanded subjection and prompt obedience of their wives, and he did not wish to recede from their example. He would have been right in this course if Most Holy Mary, Our Lady, had been no more than other women. Yet, although there was such a great difference, no woman ever existed or will exist who was or will be so obedient, humble, and devoted to her husband as the most exalted queen was toward her spouse. She served him with incomparable respect and promptitude. Although she knew his troubled thoughts and observations concerning her pregnancy, she omitted no service due to him, nor did she try to conceal or palliate her state. For such evasion or duplicity would not have consorted with the angelic truthfulness and openness, nor with the nobility and magnanimity of her generous heart." 382. The great lady could easily have asserted her entire innocence and referred to the testimony of St. Elizabeth and Zechariah. For if St. Joseph had any suspicion of guilt in her, he could naturally have supposed it to have been incurred during her stay with them. 
Hence, through them and by other references, she could have justified herself and quieted the anxieties of St. Joseph without disclosing the mystery. The mistress of prudence and humility did nothing of the kind, for these virtues did not allow her to think of herself, nor to trust the justification of her mysterious condition to her own explanation. With great wisdom, she resigned the whole matter into the hands of divine providence. Although her compassion for her spouse and her love for him made him anxious to console and comfort him, she would not do it by clearing herself or by concealing her pregnancy, but rather by serving him with more devoted demonstrations of love, and by trying to cheer him up and asking him what she could do for him and lovingly showing her devoted and submissive affection. Many times she served him on her knees, and although this somewhat consoled St. Joseph, yet, on the other hand, it was almost a cause for new grief, for thus he only saw the motives of love and esteem multiply and still remained uncertain whether she had been untrue or not. The heavenly lady offered up continual prayers for him and besought the Most High to look upon him and console him. As for the rest, she submitted all to the will of his majesty. 383. St. Joseph could not entirely conceal his cruel sorrow, and therefore he often appeared to be in doubt and sad suspense. Sometimes carried away by his grief, he spoke to his heavenly spouse with some degree of severity, such as he had not shown before. This was the natural effect of the affliction of his heart, not of anger or vengeful feelings, for these never entered his thoughts, as we shall see later. The most prudent lady, however, never lost the sweetness of her countenance, nor showed any feeling, but merely redoubled her efforts to relieve her husband. She served at table, offered him a seat, and ministered food and drink, and if, after all these services, which she performed with incomparable grace, St. Joseph urged her to sit down, he could convince himself more and more of her pregnancy. There is no doubt that all this was one of the greatest trials not only of St. Joseph, but of the Princess of Heaven, and that it greatly manifested the most profound humility and wisdom of her most holy soul. The Lord thereby gave her an opportunity of exercising and proving all her virtues, for he had not only commanded her to conceal the sacrament of her pregnancy, but contrary to his usual manner of proceeding, he had not even manifested to her his pleasure in any way. It seemed as if God had left this whole matter in her hands, and entrusted it to all the wisdom and virtue of his chosen spouse. Without giving her special enlightenment of help, the divine providence afforded the Most Holy Mary and her most faithful spouse an opportunity to exercise in a heroic manner the gifts and graces which she had infused into them, and delighted, according to our way of speaking. In the faith, hope, and love, in the humility, patience, peace, and tranquility of these two hearts, in the midst of their grievous affliction. In order to increase their glory and furnish to the world an example of holiness and prudence, and in order to hear the sweet cries of his most holy mother Mary and of her most chaste spouse, he became, as it were, deaf to the prolonged invocations and delayed answering them until his new opportune and fitting time. Instruction of our most holy Queen and Lady 384 My dearest daughter, most exalted are the thoughts and intentions of the Lord. His providence with souls is sweet and powerful, 
and he is admirable in the government of them all, especially of his friends and chosen ones. If mortals would strive to know the loving care for their direction and advancement, as shown by the Father of Mercies, Matthew 6, 5, they would be relieved and would not be involved in such irksome, useless, and dangerous anxieties, living in perpetual toils and vain trust in the help of creatures, for they would resign themselves without hesitation to the infinite wisdom and love, which, with paternal sweetness and gentleness, would watch over all their thoughts, words, and actions, and all things necessary for them. I do not wish thee to be ignorant of this truth, but to understand how the Lord from all eternity bears in his mind all the predestined of the different times and ages, and that by the invincible force of his infinite wisdom and goodness he continually disposes and prepares all the blessings useful to them, so that the end desired for them may be attained. 385. Hence, it is very important for the rational creature to allow itself to be led by the hand of the Lord, and to leave all to the divine disposition. For mortal men are ignorant of their ways and of the goal to which they lead. In their ignorance they should not presume to choose, lest they make themselves guilty of great temerity and incur the danger of damnation. But if they resign themselves with all their heart to the divine providence of God, acknowledging him as their father and themselves as his children and creatures, his majesty will constitute himself as the protector, helper, and director, and he will assume these offices with such love that he wishes to call heaven and earth to witness how much he considers it his affair to govern his own and direct those who trust and resign themselves into his hands. If God were capable of grief or of jealousy like men, it would be aroused in him at seeing creatures claiming a part in the providing for the welfare of souls and that souls should seek to supply their necessities from other quarters independently of him. Wisdom 12.13 Mortals would not be so ignorant of this truth that they would study what happens between a father and his children, a husband and his wife, one friend and another, a prince and his well-loved and honored subject. All that these do is nothing in comparison with the love which God had for his children and that which he can and will do for them. 386 Yet, although men in general believe this truth, no one can fully estimate the love of God and its effects on these souls who resign themselves entirely to his will. Nor canst thou, my daughter, manifest what thou knowest, nor shouldest thou, but thou must lose not sight of it in the Lord. His majesty says that not a hair of his elect shall perish, because he keeps account of them. Luke 21.18 he directs their footsteps toward eternal life and keeps them from death. He observes their labors, lovingly corrects their defects, favors their desires, forestalls their anxieties, defends them in anger, rejoices with them in peace, strengthens them in battle, assists them in tribulation. His wisdom is at their service against deceit, his goodness for their sanctification. As he is infinite, whom none can hinder or resist, he executes what he wishes, and he wishes to be entirely at the service of the just, who are in his grace and trust themselves wholly to him. Who could ever measure the number and greatness of the blessing which he would have showered upon a heart prepared to receive them? If thou, my dearest, wishest to attain to gain this good fortune, imitate me with true solicitude, and apply thyself from now on to establish in thee a true resignation and divine providence." If he sends these tribulations, sorrows, and labors, accept and embrace them with tranquility of soul, 
with patience, lively faith, and hope in the goodness of the Most High, who always provides that which is the most and secure profitable for thy salvation. Choose nothing for thyself, since God knows thy ways. Trust thyself to the Heavenly Father and Spouse, who will shield and assist thee with, with the most faithful love. Study also my works, since they are known to thee, and remember that accepting the labors of my Most Holy Son, the great suffering of my life, was to see the tribulations of my spouse, St. Joseph, and his grief in the matter which thou hast described. This concludes our reading today for day number 137, in which we read from Book 3 of Volume 2, reading Chapter 1, Paragraphs 381 to 387. It might seem peculiar to us why it is that Mary withholds this news of pregnancy and everything from St. Joseph, our reading tells us that God had commanded her to do so, and so she's doing this in obedience to God. And then we see the difficulty it is causing St. Joseph, but also in the lesson that Mary taught, the great difficulty that it imposed upon her, her second grief after watching the passion and death of her son. We also notice the devotedness of Mary to her husband, and also her virtuous living. All good things for us to see, and perhaps then to model in our own life. Maybe just a few comments on what Our Lady tells us in the instruction. It is very important for the rational creature to allow itself to be led by the hand of the Lord, and leave all to the divine disposition. For mortal men are ignorant of their ways and of the goal to which they lead. This really is to say that the ways of God are better than our ways and anything that we could concoct ourselves. So we want to resign ourselves to the holy will of God. Yet although men in general believe this truth, no one can fully estimate the love of God and, and its effects on those souls who resign themselves entirely to his will. So the love of Mary for Almighty God, the love of Joseph for Almighty God, is a lot different than our love for God because these people were entirely resigned to the will of God. We need to make those words, thy will be done, really the words of our life. We make them our fiat, let it be done to me according to your word. We want to resign ourselves entirely to God's will, only wanting his will to be accomplished in us and through us. And then, finally, we hear, If he sends the tribulations, sorrows, and labors, accept and embrace them with tranquility of soul, with patience, lively faith and hope in the goodness of the Mosai, who always provides that which is the most secure and profitable for thy salvation. In whatever you face in life, never doubt the goodness of God. Believe that he is with us. He never abandons us. He is going to provide for us each and every day. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.